Want to know why your interiors or images don't look like the ones you see on your favorite social media feeds? What if I said I could let you know and show you what's missing and how to transform your spaces with clarity and confidence? The truth is creating beautiful interiors is simple when you know the right strategies, but most people go about it the wrong way. This is why I created the Styling Masterclass. It's the only program that simplifies the art and science of styling, giving you the clarity and confidence to take your interiors to the next level and attract your dream customers or clients so you can make your creative dreams finally possible. This is for you if you're an interior designer or photographer, have an Airbnb, a homeware shop or e-commerce business, and you want your interiors to look like the ones you see in your favorite books, magazines or Instagram accounts. Come learn how to style using my signature method so you can elevate any interior and create compelling imagery, which is your most effective marketing tool if you're selling a product or service in the world of interiors. Any successful business owner knows that styling is your secret weapon to cut through the visual noise, stand out from the crowd and grow your business. Styling is something that you don't want to leave to chance. In today's world, images are everything. This is why leading interior designers and architects always use stylists to finesse their spaces for photography to make sure they've got incredible imagery that they can use for their socials and website. Come learn how to make styling not only an essential element, an easy way to create content for your socials and websites, but learn how it can propel the growth of your creative business. If you're serious about creating beautiful interiors and a business you love without struggling in obscurity, this is the program for you. I'm going to share my process and give insights that you're not going to get anywhere else because I've been working as a professional interior stylist for the past 15 years. The Styling Masterclass will give you that clarity and confidence you need to take action and connect with your dream customer or client so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Welcome to Imprint with Natalie Walton a podcast about creating a life you love. This is episode six. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on Imprint. I want to introduce you to someone who's played a very important role in my life over the past few years. Her name is Evie Utomo or Evie O. That's the name that she goes by. And she has a design studio by this name as well. I met Evie about five years ago when I was looking for a book designer to create the proposal that I wanted to send to a publisher. I had shot someone's home, Virgine from Mama Papa, and I wanted to give my book the best possible chance it had to get approved by a publisher. So I decided it was time to actually engage someone's services who was experienced in this. Now, I came across Evie and found her because I looked at the back credits in some of my favorite design books at the time. And when I did a little bit of digging, I discovered that she was also the award-winning book designer behind the, the Boat by Nam Lee, which was one of my favorite covers at the time. So we met and I really gelled with her. She has, you know, a good sense of humor and a really positive energy, but a really deep underlying intelligence behind how she thinks about design. And so that's why I thought it would be really interesting to have her on the podcast to get her to share some of her wisdom from not just book design, but also running her own design studio studio. She is um, someone who's been getting a lot of uh, great leading clients and brands want to work with her and her studio is growing quite quickly. So she's kind of one of the go-to studios at the moment in Sydney for design and branding and certainly book design. So I was interested to hear about that as well as how she juggles her art practice because she's an exhibiting artist alongside running a successful design studio. I hope that you find this interview and conversation interesting and inspiring and I will connect with you at the end. 
Hi, Evie. Thank you so much for joining me today on my podcast, Imprint. I'm so excited to connect with you again because it feels like a little time has passed since we last met, which was, I think it was in the lead up to designing still. And um, yeah, it seems like a long, long time ago. So much has happened since then. So um, yeah, it's really nice to, to see you. I mean, obviously I would love to be there in Sydney with you, but that's not to be right now. <laughs> so I wanted to dive deep into it or go straight into it and just ask a little bit about your childhood and if creativity is something that was always part of your childhood or was it present, would you say so? No, I wouldn't say so. I actually grew up in a, oh, well, yes and no, in that, like, I grew up in a, um, you know, very middle class family in Indonesia. And my parents are not creative at all. Like, you know, dad's an engineer and mom studied um, language. And there's no, like, artist or any, any anything creative in our um, family. So I wouldn't say it's a creative surroundings but then I guess you know you went to school and you're exposed to creative stuff like art and all that um so it's a, yeah I don't know it's a hard question to um to answer I, I didn't grow up in a creative surroundings but I guess I was quite creative as a child in that you know I liked drawing I you know I read a lot um I wrote a bit you know I was a I was in the school magazine writing and all that so in a way yes I was a creative child but it's not like the typical creative you know I don't paint or I you know, I didn't paint I didn't really went to art school and all that I guess okay because yeah. one of the things that I find really interesting about you is the fact that you're a book designer but you mm. also have a huge understanding and appreciation for words um you know you uh, design, some designers, they're like their English is really bad in terms of like how they write and their sort of their thought in terms of words. But you're, well, I haven't said this before, but you came up with the word, the name of the book still, like you perfectly kind of encapsulated the idea of the book. And that was your idea about the book being called Still. And so you've got this great grasp of language and you're also an artist and you've done ceramic projects. So you've got all these different elements within your personality that are very creative. And I'm always interested, is it nature or nurture? But it sounds like with you that maybe it was something that was always within you. It Would you could, say so? Yeah, yeah. Actually you 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 will say that because I actually sucked at art when, you know, when I was young. Like, you know, my art um marks wouldn't wouldn't be good. But I persevered and um I guess what I liked about um well, I ended up choosing design. Maybe I should just tell the whole story. I know you. you okay. Sort of like, yeah. You sort of like. Yeah, go for it. Go. <laughs> yeah. No, no, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So my childhood was really, um, um, it was pretty, it was pretty mathematic in a lot of ways. Uh, in, in Asia, um, I don't know if you know, but they pride, they pride a lot of um, logical education rather than like the creative thing so you know like nothing like a Steiner school would, would exist would, would exist where I grew up which is a city called Surabaya so I was always good at math um, maths and then I went into high school and I just became a rebel and just like nah I'm not I'm not doing any of this I sucked at physics was okay at chemistry and just ended up I went to a, um, a Christian private school as well so you know that's that's another story but basically um <laughs> I always go I always went to detention because I've I've always been drawing stupid stuff um got actually like quite like music punk stuff it's really bad the sketches but I went to detention because I did that during prayers time and all that and I knew then that I didn't want to conform to what um what Indonesian society would wish from a girl if that made sense and actually choosing to study design was part of it because you know I could easily enter an accounting school or a finance school and mom would be happy dad would be happy but I didn't and um so yeah so I think you asked as well about like why did I move to Australia and it's also part of a cultural thing like in Indonesia if you're a middle class family you know earns enough and you could send your um, children overseas, there were like about four options then, you know, like Singapore, America, Australia, and China back then. And, you know, like if you 
choose to, uh, to send your kids to China, it would be like they would be learning Chinese, go back to Indo, marry someone. But, you know, like learning Chinese is such a thing back then. Anyway, my parents decided to send me to Australia because my uncle was you know, is living here and they thought, oh, you know, if Ev is being naughty, someone would be there to chaperone her. Because <laughs> <laughs> I said, like, mom, just send me to America. It's the center of the world. You know, like it's stupid 17 years old me. I'm glad I'm not there now, especially during the pandemic. But um, yeah, so I, I got to Australia because of that. But personally, like I just could not wait to get out of Indonesia. Like I could, when I say Indonesia, it's more Surabaya, my town. It's quite a small town that, Thinking is is very different here. I was going to say was, but it's still very different there. And yeah, I just wanted to see the world. And then back to what I chose to pick in uni, I ended up, I fought for it actually. Like um, initially I applied for economics because I actually was very interested in it. Um, and then I was like, no, nah, I don't want to like study that. And then I, I told mom, oh, maybe I'll do the design. And she, oh no, I, I, I said, I want to do art. And mom's like, no way. I'm like, what about architecture? Because it's kind of like in between. Like I think for Asian parents, their biggest worry is that you went to uni, you couldn't get a job. What's going to, you know, what's your adult life would be like if you can't get a job and make money, which is so different to Australian thinking because you know it's it's a developed country you say you don't get a job you can do whatever and still have money which is not the same thing in indo like you yeah it's it's another story but back to me um, yeah i was gonna ask are you an only child i'm curious where this rebellious streak came from no, it's the opposite. And I think it's a it's a recurring theme for um, a firstborn. So I'm I'm the first of two. And I was I've I've always been the responsible one. And I've been responsible all my life in, in you know, in big stuff. Like sometimes at school I'm a bit naughty, but like because I've been so good all my life, maybe I'm like, no, maybe I don't want to be such a straight, straighty one eighty person, you know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think I'm I'm always I've always been cheeky in, you know, inside. I you know, it just takes time for it to get out, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so yeah. you said that you weren't very good at drawing when you were younger, but now you do Ooh. paint. So how did you develop then that part of your personality or your art practice? How did that come about? Just the sketches and then you just kept doing it more and more? Y- yes and no. Like um yeah, I think I think I was really into um drawing more than painting to be honest, and it's quite interesting because all my drawings are black and white and very detailed. And then it's it design sort of helped me evolve in that in design you're told that less is more in a lot of things actually like you know, how do you how do you solve a problem a complex problem and answer it in the most um, simple way and I think I kind of applied that thinking to sketching and I just got bored one day and just pick up some paints play with colors because I thought maybe. I could just experiment with shapes and colors and see what happens. And obviously, you know, I quite enjoyed that and kept doing it for about two years. And um, and Amber Cresswell-Bell, which you know, who's an art yes. curator now, um, she was she was only starting to curate back then. And um, she was showing some of my um, simple line drawings until she saw something that I painted, like a, a little small study full of colors. And she's like, why don't you do... 10 or 12 of that. Like I've had this group show coming up. You should be part of it. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And I remember it was um, it was quite frustrating because I haven't done it before. I didn't know what, what art was. And, and, you know, like, and especially with art, you know, there's a lot of thinking involved and all this convention. And as a self-taught artist, like, you know, I couldn't help but feeling a bit inadequate in a way, you know, can I do this? But of course I did it. And um, the painting sold and, one exhibition led to another and I guess I am an artist now it's all just labels isn't it (laughs) yeah yeah no it's interesting I'm really impressed with it Mm. so let's go back a little bit to um so you came to Australia and that was to study at university was it yes and And so what did you end up you ended up studying Mm. design is that right 
I ended up studying visual communication because yes, I was going to enter architecture and then I'm like, no, nah, I don't think I'm, I was, you know, like patient enough to do seven years of uni. Again, I hate homeworks. Um, still do. Um, and then it was a bit of a battle in that mom was like, what if you can't make money from design? And, you know, we have to find you a rich husband. I'm like, that's not a bad deal. <laughs> I said, yeah, I'm, yeah. if I couldn't find work after uni, I'll go back to, you know, to Indo. You find me a rich husband and everyone will be happy. Actually, <laughs> we can go back to one of your, um, of your mentioned topics about role model when I was a child because that time it's um, my grandma, Grandma Betty. She's got an English name, Elizabeth. Actually, she calls herself the queen, which is quite funny. Um, <laughs> she is the oldest in our family, but she's the most forward thinking um, person in our family. And she was the only one that said like, let the child be, you know, it's her life. She can do whatever she wanted. And she has so much power still in the family that mom was just like, okay, I guess grandma said so. And I'm, I'm his, I'm her favorite grandchild as well, by the way. But yeah, like, <laughs> she was one, yeah, she was the one role model that made me be a little bit more curious as a child and as a person now. Like she went through such a, a like her whole life story is just so interesting because she went through a lot of um, colonial lies eras I guess and then you know and then the two wars and then recessions blah 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 like the pandemic is nothing compared to what she's gone through in her life <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. So, and so, up, yeah. so yep. you you said then you studied visual communication yes. and then yep. you your first job was with Penguin is that yes. right yeah that's correct so how, how was that an advertised job or did you just contact them how did that come about so, One of the biggest publishing houses. I know. What luck, hey? <laughs> it, was, it, it was actually, no, that's not true. It wasn't my one and only job, but it was my one and only real job in that, like, before that, I was interning here and there in, you know, design right. studios and at agencies and um, and actually just doing really shit freelance jobs. But, you know, you've got to start somewhere. Um, and then I saw one, I knew I wanted to be in publishing, but um, there weren't many well, there's still, there, there aren't anywhere to work for as a designer anymore. And even back then, it wasn't that many. And Penguin was one of the bigger ones. I saw one advertisement saying that they needed a, um, a freelance illustrator to do dinkuses. You don't, do you know right. what a dinkus is? <laughs> <laughs> so when you read a book... And between two paragraphs, sometimes you see like there's like a little uh, icon. Ah, yes. Yeah, that yep, was yep. my first job. Yeah, yeah. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was hired to draw dinkuses, and then um, I stayed on there as a um, as a as a freelancer for two weeks. And they were looking for a midweight designer to to work in the Sydney office. It, it was actually quite a big department back then. We had an art director director called. Deb Bresh, which we can go back to later on, with 15 designers ranging from art directors to midweights and juniors. But yeah, so it was a midweight position. I applied for it because I'm like, I really want to work in publishing. I know I'm, you know, I don't have the skills yet, but, you know, I can learn. And Deb was like, hmm, yeah, no, you're, you're a bit underqualified, but we'll create a position for you. Like, it doesn't happen anymore, does it? Like, and no. <laughs> no, they created a junior position for me. And the first two years there, I was pretty much like cutting up mock-ups and, you know, just drawing more dinkuses and doing silly stuff and actually learning so much about the mechanics of book design and production stuff that you can't quite learn about anymore unless you're an in-house person, sadly. Yeah. And so at what point, um, because when I met you, which mm. I, I mean, I can't even remember how long that ago that was mm. now. I mean, that's mm. probably, I don't know, even close years? to five, five, yeah, like five or so yeah, years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And mm. um, so at that stage, I remember you had designed Nam Lee's book, um, The Boat, which mm. was one of my favorite book covers. So mm. what point did you then get to design your own book covers? It would and, and, you know, like be responsible yeah. going yeah. from a junior designer to then actually sort of leading a, a project. How yes. long did that take? That took a while. And that was a bit of a, well, unlucky for some people, lucky for me. So um, 
I was, yeah, I was in my junior role for about two years and then I got promoted to midweight. But that still means that you're just doing like kind of B-grade projects. They're not B-grade, but, you know, they're more like, oh, redo a movie time thing. It's a Twilight cover, put a poster on, like, you know, stupid stuff like that. And, and you know, like simpler children's book stuff. So I actually started um, designing children's books covers when I got to midweight. And then um, they did a company split. And they were kind of saying all Sydney designers have to work on illustrated books just because of location. It's it's a bit of a complicated thing, but basically I got lucky and got pulled into this lantern group that just does um, really nice coffee table books. So that's that was sort of like when I realized this is what I really want to do in publishing. Because before that, I was doing so many um, different genres, I guess, and wasn't quite like, where do I want to go? So I um, started off with like just doing um, cookbooks. And then cookbooks um, led to gardening books and then interior books. And so Namly actually happened just before that because since oh, I can't remember how many years ago that was, but I was with Lenten ex- ex- exclusively for five years. So Namly maybe happened on my third or fourth year at Penguin. I was there for eight and a half years. Yeah. 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 Well, I didn't realize it was that long. And so, uh, so what would you say are some of the the big lessons that you learned while working at Penguin? You know, this sort of big, huge publishing house. Um, What were some of the big lessons about design or publishing or books that you learned during that time, would you say? I would say it's um, Julie Gibbs, which is which is my you know she's my boss for um, quite a few years. She's um, she used to be the publisher of Lantern um, Imprint, which Australians would know it's one of the most prestigious um, illustrated book imprint. Um, she said to all her designers designers that we we're here we're we're not we're not people making babies we're midwives, you know, it's a hospital and we're midwives and we're helping our authors to bring their babies safely to the world. And that means a lot to me. And I still use this analogy all the time and I pass it on to all my studio teams because it's true, you know, designers are not artists. Like it's not about what we want the book to look like. It's about what the author's vision is. And I think as a designer, you need to remember that, like you're problem solving someone's baby. It's not your baby. And you have to take good care of it because, you know, you know, you have to take good care of your baby, but, you know, other person's babies even more. Yeah. 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 So and so, yeah. And so when I met you, I think that Lantern had just closed. So you were just suddenly facing this situation where you were going to go freelance. And then I think you quickly set up your own studio. Is that right? It was That's around correct. that time. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and then it quickly grew like since then it's grown, you've sort of become one of the leading design studios, um, certainly within Sydney, if not beyond. And uh, I've got a range of very high profile clients. So how do you think it is that you managed to to build it up so quickly? Is it, um, do you think it's a word of mouth or what, what do you think is your unique point of difference? Well, um, I guess a few points. Um, first one would be there are not that many book designers in the world, let alone Australia. So it's, you know, like it's such a small industry. And and I guess I got lucky because, you know, like I was working at Penguin and with Julie Gibbs and, you know, like we, Lantern came with reputation, I guess. And when Lantern closed, um, I actually set up the studio first with um, Daniel New, which is, you know, another fantastic book designer. But the business kind of like... Um, petered out a bit because we have two different visions um and um i sort of wanted to kind of like explore other things as well like you know doing branding and um you know like trying out digital stuff and obviously doing art as well and didn't really want to limit myself to book design and um and yeah i think i think maybe it was worth of math like the first year um I was doing my own studio with Daniel. Like we, we pretty much got, you know, like a lot of jobs from um, local publishers, but then, um, and then we split and then we, you know, entering second year, like, I don't know how words get out, but we, you know, like um, the studio started getting um, international jobs as well. Um, and yeah, it's kind of like the art practice. Like I haven't really knocked on doors to be honest. And, 
it's just from one project leading to another, I guess. It's like the most traditional way to promote stuff. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's website, maybe it's Instagram, but who knows? Well, yeah. I guess it shows that the um, the, if the work wasn't good, though, you wouldn't get the people knocking on your no. door. I mean, that yeah. sort of says, you know, I think a huge, a huge part of it. Um, so what I guess, oh, sorry, it was just echoing a little bit there. Um, so you now have obviously the studio and how many people do you have working for you now? So it's a small team of four. There's me, there's um, Susan, our senior, and there's Nicole and Kate, our juniors. Well, they're not really juniors. Like, I mean, we, we use all these um, um, labels, but we actually just do the same thing, really. I mean, I'm a little bit more responsible because I have to pay their tax. But apart from that, we're like a bunch of girls just, you know, having fun doing books, doing brands, doing websites, drawing, painting. And it's, 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 a, it's a really nice factory. I mean, it's one thing that I really miss um, at the moment, you know, not having them around because we're all working separately. But, yeah, yeah, there are four of us and the Whippet, Henry, five. Yes, <laughs> of course, very important. Yeah. Um, yeah. But obviously when you're, when you're working or as a freelancer mm. and then you then take that step to actually hiring somebody mm. to work with you, that's mm. a big step. Like I would probably say that your first, maybe even your second hire that's a that's a big moment because you're obviously getting so much work that mm. you need to outsource it to somebody else. And mm. essentially people, I mean, it is the EVO studio. Yes. So people are coming to you because they know of you. So then how do you then communicate to your staff or find the staff that is, you know, of the level that it needs to be? And how do you manage a team in that way? I mean, it's, it's a really big responsibility and a big job when you're running a studio. You're not just working as a freelancer. Yeah, I know. And it's, you know, I'm still learning every day, but it's, it's, I think it's, um, it's kind of like my nature of being bored. Like, you know, I remember when I, you know, when the business didn't work out with Daniel um, and I ended up freelancing for a bit, I just got really bored, like just sitting by myself and, you know, like, I should be slapped because I was getting one of the best jobs. And, you know, like I, I love those jobs, but I, I sort of like lost purpose. You know, like I feel like working by myself would just limit the experience I have in my career. So um, I got lucky. Like um, I, I never looked like all the studio members, they all knock on the door. I never like actively seek for any of them. Um, Susan came. And what I quickly realized is like the more people you have in the studio, the more flavor you have as well. Like, yes, but as you said, yes, people do come here for a certain look or for a certain um, service. But I did try to think about, well, you know, why do people come to us? And I think a lot of it is about attitude. Like, um, sure, like, you know, like everyone can do good design, but maybe it's our attitude of pro problem solving. Maybe it's the midwife thing. I don't know. It's 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 quite unique, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think I think people come for our energy, like you know, our attitude to design and projects are quite positive. Maybe maybe they're just having a good time. I'd like to think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so, how do you find yourself though in that role as a manager? Like, do you enjoy running a business? Because you're essentially now not just yeah. a, a designer, but you're a mm. business owner. Do you enjoy? This, that sort of entrepreneurial side of things? Yeah, I do love it. I have to say, I love the whole um, wheeling and dealing and, you know, trying to win jobs and all that. And it's not, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like it's not the chase. It's not the money. Like, you know, I, I didn't do it for that. But I think, I think it's that feeling of experiencing something new. Like, it's quite funny when, you know, when the team started growing, like initially, I said to everyone, I don't want to label anyone with anything. No one's a senior, no one's a junior. I'm not a director. I'm just a founder, whatever. It's a collective of talented people. But then the clients started saying, I don't know who I'm talking to. Is she a cow? Is she, what, what is she? And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, like, and, and, and you start to think maybe it is important to actually define roles and to actually spot what what everyone's good at. And I started doing that last year. I actually gave myself a very fancy title. I'm a, I'm a CEO and a creative director CEO because I'm chief EVO. I'm joking. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like essentially I'm a creative director and I try to live up 
to that role. Like, you know, I try to be better at giving feedback. I try to be, you know, to push myself further when I'm thinking about concepts and all that. And, and same with everyone else in the studio. Like, for example, whenever we do our, um, you know, six months checkup with everyone, I'm like, so, you know, what do you want to do? Like, how, how have you been finding your role in the studio? What, what other, other roles do you want to try? So it's like, I like to see the studio as a service to the clients for sure. But for us, it's kind of like a little incubator of everyone that's in it. Like Susan's really into um, food design. So that's the kind of thing that she wants to push. And Nicole is really into coding. So, you know, like I said, yeah, you can do all the digital stuff like you know, grow, grow within this studio. And I kind of like check in with them as well to see what they want to do, because that would be the kind of jobs I'm trying to get for them as well. Like I'd like to think the studio to be like a little family rather than, you know, a working office. And it, it's been, it's been doing well so far, like in terms of, you know, we're all happy and nobody hates each other and there's no politics. <laughs> <laughs> and what yeah. about in terms of the hours that you have to work? Do you work very long hours or do you try and keep that in balance? Do you try and find time to pursue your art practice? Like how's your kind of your rhythms and routines in terms mm. of your work and creativity? It's hard. That's the one thing I haven't nailed, but I don't think I would ever nail that. But um, with art, I used to, to do them on weekends, but that wasn't good because I actually lost two jean sizes one year and I'm like, no, no, that's not, um, that's not good, right? I mean, it's good because, you know, everyone wants to lose weight, but no, that's not good. Um, so now I do sort of like schedule in painting times um, during work days. So, you know, we, we only work five days and we try not to do more than eight hours, you know, like just try to do um, normal hours. And so we don't burn out as well. And I think it's very important for them to have their lives too, like, you know, and for me too. Um, but since the pandemic, it's been reset. Like I, I haven't painted for um, for two months, I think. But, you know, I started again on the weekend just to get myself back on the routine. But the ideal scenario would be half painting, half... Oh, I don't know. I don't think there's any ideal. To be honest, you know, it's it just... It's, yeah, it's a puzzle. Sorry, that's a yeah. bad answer. No, no, no. Yeah. It's good. It's good to be honest. Yeah. No, and it's good. Sometimes it's just good to hear that other people still have to struggle with that or try and find their way through that. And, um, that, you know, that you're not alone. So that's, that can be reassuring as well. Yeah. So I and have to. Yeah. Go. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I just want to say one more thing. Like, because sometimes it also depends on what the world sends to you. You know, if there's a big opportunity that needs to happen in one department, you sort of have to drop the other department and tend to that. And, you know, like it's, it's yeah, it's natural, I guess, organic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, ebb and, ebb and flow. Um, so I have to ask you, obviously, you designed both my book, um, This Is Home and Still. Actually, I was going to mention this to you before um, we started recording, but um, they've just issued a reprint for Still, which is great news. So that's, um, <laughs> that's like only, I don't know, just over two weeks since it's been released in Australia. So already to be going to a reprint is great news. Um, and I just wanted to kind of get a little bit of your insight about what makes, you know, a really good book design and your thoughts on designing those books in particular. What was, how did you come and approach them and, and also approach like different books by the same author, which I'm sure you do all the time, but you have to kind of create a different treatment, but yet still make them feel unified. Mm. Yeah, I actually was going to jump straight into that because I feel you know, like, I think we both agree that the first book came really easily in terms of like uh, marrying all these elements. Um, but just like any brand, sometimes creating them is the easiest way, but then evolving is, you know, mm. could be more challenging. And I think um, with book two, I think, I think, you know, like we did mention, like it, it took a little bit more time to get to where we are, you know, a place that we're happy with, but that's also because I think your brand is evolving as well. And, um, and that has to be, and, you know, like, I think, I think as a designer and as an author, maybe as well, there's always that, you know, second book syndrome thinking that, you know, is it as good as book one, especially if book one is, you know, book one is such a big success. And I mean, it's no surprise, but you know, like it doesn't happen every day. Um, yeah. and, you know, I think, I feel like there was more pressure on book two, but 
Um, what makes a good book design? I think what makes a good book design is firstly, like it has to be a good package, especially if it's a coffee table book like yours. You know, it's about the presence, it's about sizing, it's about how thick it is, it's about paper stock. And then I guess if you delve deeper about the inter in the inter on the internals, then it, it's about storytelling. It's about creating a structure. You know, like you want to make sure that your reader knows where they are when they open a page and guide them through through the contents. And it's also like marrying the right amount of text and images and you know, you know, all the storytelling stuff. It's um yeah. I still I I still find myself addicted to it. It's it's kind of weird. It's kind of like your first life, isn't it? Book design. You'll I'll never get tired of it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, no, that's yeah. great to hear. Mm. And what do you think that you bring to book design as EVO Studio or as mm. as EVO? Because obviously every designer is going to have you know their point of difference. But in terms of the actual design, what would you say is like your signature? I think what we're really good at is kind of like um, giving some arty touches to traditional book design I think like we always try to because everyone's again like everyone's interest in the studio is very varied um and I think you can tell easily that the studio itself is a marriage of graphic design of art of um technology you know a little bit of technology and like we're all we're all little nerds really like we we obsess over topography we obsess over illustration and art and motion and music and you know like it's it's all like it's it's that combination that you can't quite describe that could only happen when everyone is in the same space so i feel like if people come to us it would be for that essence for that little energy that we spark yeah yeah and it, it and doesn't what about, have, hmm, so no keep going uh, i was gonna say like i think we, we're quite known for color and illustrations but to be honest like if you see the brands that we've worked on, they all have different flavors, but I guess they still have that little essence of what makes us a studio. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of surprise, you know, a bit of delight. We're all happy people. I think a lot of our works are quite happy. Yeah. 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 Because one of the things that I sort of talk about a little bit on this podcast, and I'm just interested in general, is about finding your own voice, your own personal authentic style with anything that you create. And obviously, when you're a writer, that's something that can take a while to find your own voice. And even if it comes to interior design or styling, you know, finding your sort of signature, your special, unique look. And is that something that has taken you a while to find what makes you unique in terms of design? Or is that something that you've just always felt in synergy with that? No, it definitely took years. Definitely took years. And I think it's, you know, it constantly evolves. Um, it's interesting because, yeah, exactly as you said, it's a language and a language needs time to develop. And what was it for me? I think for me, it was kind of like the exploration of design through work and the exploration of art through, you know, art practice. And with art practice, um, I didn't used to have deadlines. Now I do because I work and I'm represented by a gallery. So, you know, there are um, dates to fill. But I think like those explorations and what I appreciate, what I appreciate that makes my visual language comes from experiments. And I guess it's kind of true when old people say, oh, you know, I know more things than you are because I've, you know, I've been through, I've been alive more, you know, longer than you, you do. It's kind of right. Like, you know, like I think my language has sadly matured as I grew older. And it's not, I'm not saying that, you know, you can't be young and fantastic because there are a lot of like amazing young people there. But, but for me, it took years to own, I guess. Yeah. And it's sort of. And when, come, hmm, go. Yeah. Was there a point where you felt like you had a stronger sense of it? Or do you still think it's continuing to evolve, but it's just getting. The, the changes and transitions as a fewer and fewer apart, if you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I think, I think like, um, like say, take, take example for um, my art practice. Like, I think I was very happy when I kind of like decided and I was confident at doing abstract art because abstract art is quite, 
it's 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 an interesting one because it's a it's an exercise in limiting rather than adding. Like it's an exercise of um, deleting rather than um, creating more. So I know that my language is quite restrained. Like you could say I'm a woman of few words, although I ramble here. But you know, like when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to design, a lot of um, our thing is like it's often very simple and it's very bold. But that actually comes from a lot of thinking and experimentation. And we sort of just want to hide the, you know, ugly thing in the kitchen and then just serve this beautiful thing on a dome and unfeel it. And that's it. You know, eat this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that, well, does that make sense? Does that quite answer yeah, 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 yeah. Well, a, a lot of people, um, I do the styling course and mm. a lot of people are, at the very early stages of, you know, starting their own little business or, or whatever, what would you advise to someone if they're sort of trying to create their own logo or website or doing something to do with their own personal branding? What would be some like tips as someone who's an award-winning designer? What would you say to people to do? Like if they're having to kind of create it basically themselves, have you got any advice? That's a bit hard because I was going to say the biggest lesson I learned from running my own small business is actually just to get the best people to do what they're best at. Like I was trying, you know, in the beginning, I was trying to save money on, you know, how to set up my, you know, little network of you know, like computers. <laughs> you know, I was Googling for hours and you know what? Should just call an IT specialist to do it. Or like, you know, about accounting. Like, you know, I was thinking like oh, I can save a few grand trying to do my own bookkeeping, but you know, it'll take me forever. So I know it's not really answering your question, but I think, you know, find find a good designer within your budget to do it. I think that would be the advice. Yeah. And yeah, focus, I agree yeah, with that actually. Yeah, focus your energy to where it matters. Do, do you know, which is I don't know what business you're doing, but yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, actually, that has been for me probably one of the biggest lessons that I have mm. kind of come across in the past, like twelve to eighteen months, maybe two years, is that thing of I'm better off focusing on what I'm really good at, and that will bring in the you know, the income to then pay for other people to do the other elements because I can't do it all, even though I try sometimes <laughs> no, and I try and do it all. But yeah. but you you can't actually grow, particularly if you've got a business, you can't grow mm. as a business if you're trying yeah. to do it all. So yeah. yeah, that's definitely been a big one for me. Um, mm. Okay. So I've got some quick questions to ask you and just mm. sort of say whatever first thing comes to your head. And um, that's how I kind of like to, to end these episodes. So which five words best describe you? I would say curious, happy, maybe dreamer. Is that a word? Yeah, I guess. Dreamer, <laughs> erratic. That's me. Um, and this is embarrassing, but I'm very nerdy. <laughs> I get nerdy too, don't worry. <laughs> I guess it depends on how you get nerdy, but I do get nerdy. Um, oh, yeah. Let's not do that. <laughs> um, what's the best life or career lesson you've learnt? Just don't plan too much, I reckon, because you don't know what huh? will happen. Yeah. I think that's that interesting. Be yeah. 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 That applies to both, really, doesn't it? Um, yeah. What's your proudest career achievement so far? I would be the studio would be my proudest achievement so far. It's just because it's not just about me, but it's also about the team. Way more, you know, way more, um, what's the word? What's that word when you feel like you've achieved something? Uh, like rewarding sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, way more rewarding, Yeah. Yeah, in, yeah. In a lot of levels. Yeah. Yeah. What's been your best decision? To just do it. Like not to worry about things and just do it and see what happens. No regrets. Yeah. 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 yeah I agree with that one too. Who inspires you? Whoa. Can I say my grandma? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like when, when I think about like who's, you know, who's been the biggest role model, it'll be her. She's 90. Aww. She's 91 this year. Wow. Yeah. And you, still healthy. Yeah, yeah. 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 
When was she the last w- time you saw her? Last year in June. She turned 90, um, 90 and everyone, you know, came to her. Yeah. It was yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully it won't be too much longer before you can see her again. I it's all a bit crazy while. right now, but <laughs> she's got to hang in there. Yeah, she'll be fine. She'll live forever. <laughs> uh, what are you passionate about? At the moment? Passionate. Uh, I'm passionate about nature, or is that weird? No, of course you can be passionate about nature. Yeah, like I find like there's something in there that I want to learn more. Like I, I grew up as a as an urban girl, you know, in the city, full of smog and all that. And um, maybe about like two years ago, I started doing push walks and swims and all that. And I, yeah, there's something there that I can learn from. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um. Which person, living or dead, would you most like to meet? Uh, maybe Yayoi yeah, Kusama. I think she'll be an interesting person to have Gina ah, I do. with. Yeah. Who's she? I don't know. I don't yeah, know her. Um, Yayoi yeah, Kusama. You know, like there's, um, you know, that artist that draws spotty pumpkins. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, I know. Yeah. I went to the um, Queensland um, Museum of Art. I think she was at that. She had an exhibition. Yeah, yeah. Is that the did. one with the spots and you put all mm. the dots on everything? Yeah. I think yeah, so. Yeah, I know and she'll be yeah. cool. Yeah, she, she'll be really cool. She's also very old, so I shouldn't say that, um, elderly, senior. But, you know, like I, I think I could probably, you know, get some advices from her. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. no she'd be, I'm sure she'd be interesting to talk mm. to. What dream do you still want to fulfill? Oh, big one or small ones? Either or. Oh, scary. What dream? It would be good to have world, you know, like complete world peace. As in. That is know. a big one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to get that, but like, yeah, like everyone happy, everyone's liking each other, you know, minimal crime, minimal hateness. I don't know. Yeah. Good energy. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, we can only one. hope. Yep. The small one would be, you know, survive this pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a, one and the same thing almost, isn't it? Um, <laughs> what, what about you? What, what, what's a dream? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, do you know? No, no, no. no. It's, uh, do you know, for so many years, it was to publish a book, like to create my own book. Ooh. Ooh. And, I, and I kind of, I really, I'm still in mourning for that dream in the sense that like I've done it and it's like, okay, so of course I want to do more books, but nothing is quite as big as that one thing of mm. doing my own book. I mean, I think that right now I just, my focus is really about just having stability and consistency in terms of income because I'm basically the breadwinner for my family. So just to, I, I've been one of these people who's done lots of different things in my life and, um, to have, and I know you do lots of different things, but to have that sense of just consistency with something and just a rhythm with it, because I've moved house so many times and I've done, had so many big changes in my life. And I just really want to settle into a bit of a groove with something, which is not to say I don't want to do new things, but, um, I just really want to just pursue what I'm doing right now and just keep following it because I really enjoy it and um yeah I don't know I mean it's kind of not it doesn't sound as fabulous as saying I want to do a book no, but that's no it is no like creating stability is a is is an unusual dream isn't it because like it's kind of like the thing that as creatives it's kind of impossible yeah <laughs> I I jeopardize myself yeah I jeopardize myself every day (laughs) no it's it's so true though like because like I feel like yeah like if you would reach this big milestone and then you would have more and to get there there will be change that needs to happen and you know it's, it's almost like you would it's a good dream that you need to keep pursuing but the journey itself is would be so rewarding as well because yeah. you know, it's I know how hard it is as a creative to reach that thing called stability. Sometimes I wonder, like, you know, is, is it even a thing? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Um, okay, so what are you reading right now? Uh, very boring. I'm actually not reading anything, which is so sad. Like I feel like um since the pandemic, my focus when it comes to reading has 
died. I know it's very sad, but it's okay. I'm watching Seinfeld back to back. I haven't watched it. Can you believe it? <laughs> so that's my that's my form of reading at the moment. Really funny, stupid young people on TV from the 90s where they still had big giant mobile phones. It's actually very nostalgic. I love it. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a bad, you know, bad answer, but I'm not reading anything at the moment. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, and what about you listening to anything? Do you listen to any podcasts or even music? Are you really into sort of type of music at the moment? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, um, not podcasts again, like I think with, with the loose of focus, um, during pandemic, I just have not been consuming smart stuff, but music I've, I've been into like, you know, all, all kinds of technos at the moment, you know, I've moved oh. on from my, yeah, yeah, yeah. I even have a playlist that's happening. That's on our studio playlist. So, you know, everyone can go there and peep into my little fault of techno, you know, good technos. Trust me. Like I've put friends with good technos and every time I heard I'm like what's that one I'll add it to my yay yay playlist everyone's welcome <laughs> <laughs> and last question if you could give yourself one piece of advice from when you were younger what would it be your be younger self yeah I would say acquire that confidence early you know like as early as you can and keep your ears and eyes and minds open because it's the only way to get richer, really. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, thanks. Do you think, actually, I should ask you, do you think that you would ever create a book? Yeah, but, you know, yeah, I think I will, but I wouldn't, I, I, I feel like I haven't, I haven't found the thing I want to write for or write, write about in a way, like I don't want to, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it would be, but. I have a feeling one day I would like, I mean, like it would be so ironic if I don't, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think one day I will. Yeah, yeah. I'd be interested to see it. I would look forward to it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Evie. It's been so nice to have a little chat in this very strange world that we're living in. So it's nice to catch up with you. And um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Lovely to see your face. I hope we can do this in real life soon. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I hope you enjoyed listening to this chat with Evie and learning more about her journey. If you've enjoyed listening to Imprint, it would mean so much if you could please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to it today. And it would also mean so much if you could also rate and review it and spread the love on Instagram. You can find me there at Natalie Walton and I will also be sharing at the show notes for this episode over at nataliewalton.com forward slash podcast, including where you can find more about my books, which Evie designed. I look forward to meeting you again next week when I will be sharing another big lesson from my own creative journey. If you've got any questions that you would like to ask me or topics you'd like me to discuss, then please email me and you can just send a request through to hello at nataliewalton.com. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing this podcast and the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint.